Shopify Masters is powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. To get an extended 30-day trial, visit shopify.com slash masters. It takes seven plus times before they actually build trust in you enough to part with their hard-earned money. Hey, my name is Felix. I'm the host of Shopify Masters. Each week, you'll learn the keys to success from e-commerce experts and entrepreneurs like you. And in this episode, you'll learn how to identify your customers' most painful problems, how to use your marketing dollars wisely for content marketing, and what kind of results should you expect when you first start your content marketing. Today, I'm joined by Karen Young from We Shave. That's O-U-I Shave. We Shave creates a better shave for women by women. It was started in 2015 and based out of Brooklyn, New York. Welcome, Karen. Hey, Felix. How are you? It's nice to be here. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you for coming on. So I love the name. Tell, tell me how you came up with the idea of, I guess, the, the brand name for, for your business. Um, so that was actually a really funny, um, incident. So I, I've always, uh, had trouble shaving. Um, so like always had irritation, ingrown hairs, razor burn. I mean, I tried every razor that I could think of from like the little, like two blade type of razors to like the five, six, seven blade crazy, you know, sort of, I I call them weed whackers. And, um, I, I will never forget it was, um, around springtime, like around this time of year, um, in 2014, I had been working in beauty for quite some time. And I, um, my girlfriends and I decided to go and get, uh, like a sort of manicure, pedicure type day out. It was a beautiful day. And I, you know, so this is something that maybe you won't know, but any woman listening, <laughs> any woman who's listening knows that like, especially when the weather turns warmer and like you go to get a pedicure or whatever, um, we normally will shave for the benefit of the person giving us the pedicure. <laughs> mm, makes sense. <laughs> because, you know, they're like, you know, give you the massage and everything and you don't want them encountering your stubble. So that's precisely what happened. You know, they're like, let's go get a um, mani-pedi. And so I grabbed my razor, I shaved, you know, I went and met them at the salon. Um, I put my, my feet up on like the basin to kind of get started on my pedicure and my entire leg was covered in razor burn. And I just shaved like minutes ago. And this was my norm, you know? Um, and I just got really, really frustrated in that moment by it. You know, my friend turned to me and she went, what's going on with your leg? And I was just like, listen, this is just happens every time I shave. And so we just kind of started, you know, going off onto like how awful the process was and how uncomfortable it was. And, um, a few days later I was on the train and it had stuck with me. It was really, really like, I was really holding on to just how bad this process was. And I worked in beauty and I just couldn't understand. I had access to so many things. And yet, um, you know, I was still using like a really crappy pink razor and sort of having a bad experience on top of it. And I literally said to myself, what the F? We shave too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and literally that's how the name came about and I anyone who saw me on the train that day probably thought I was a mad woman because I just started laughing so hard and I was just like I think I just found the name of the the company <laughs> <laughs> literally no that was the beginning of your empire that you were building 
<laughs> yeah, um, that was the start of it all. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So you had this idea, this spark in, in your head for for this brand, and what was the next step? Like, how did you know? I guess you knew that there was an issue. You had this issue. I'm assuming you already you knew that other women had the same issue as you. What did you decide to do next? So next, I basically went down the rabbit hole of the shaving industry and like learned how razors were made, you know, like the, from the, the, from beginning to end, um, in terms of like the history of razors as well. And like how we had come to the sort of plastic razors and, you know, what those were about and so on. And as I got a little further into my research, I saw this razor called the safety razor. And I was just like, huh, that's really funny. I'm like, anytime I ever go to buy a gift for a man, you know, in my life, uncles or or, uh, cousins or anything, every time I've always wanted to buy a really beautiful, thoughtful gift for them, I would actually usually go get them a safety razor. It would always kind of be like, oh, let me up your, let me up your game a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, I know you take care of yourself and so on. Like, let me sort of gift you something that's like on a next level. And they've always absolutely loved it. And I remember when I was young, um, I would see like my uncles in this sort of process of of shaving, like this really fascinating ritual where they would, mm-hmm. you know, lather their face up and use the beautiful, you know, boar, boar's head brush. And then, you know, the sink was full of water and they would like do this really slow, intricate sort of very patient shaving and kind of like you know, rinse the the blade in the in the sink and so on. And I just that all of that sort of really came back to me all at once and just kind of flooded me. And it was just like, hmm, why don't women have this? And so I, you know, dug around a little bit more and I found that in nineteen fifteen actually that same razor that I saw my uncles using was what women started shaving with um, from way back then. And, um, I learned a little bit more about the difference between like the multi-blade razors and that single blade. And it seemed as if that single blade razor was better for, you know, sensitive skin and was just more of a real thoughtful, um, process. And so I was like, okay, do I have the nerve? And I kind of was like, okay, I'm going to give this a try. And I was nervous. And I was just like, all right, I'm going to give this a try. I've never used anything like this before. You know, so let me just see if I can, if I have the nerve to do it. And so I ordered some samples and, uh, well, I call them samples now, but I ordered some products basically. (laughs) And, um, I gave it a try and I was blown away. I was absolutely blown away. I, I, for the first time in my life, I was shaving without any sort of irritation. I couldn't believe it. Um, my skin felt amazing and I just didn't have any of the aftermath of shaving that I was so used to. And so from there, I just, I, I did my research on like finding the company that could help me launch this business. Yeah, so I'm looking at your 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 website right now, looking at the products, and like you're saying, th- these are existing solutions that were pretty much catered to to men. It was very much a, a product for for males. But when I look at your site, look at the branding, it doesn't look that way, right? It looks like a feminine product, a product that could belong to a woman that you could gift to a woman. What was involved in that kind of rebranding of a product that was predominantly focused on you know, selling to men, but now you're selling and rebranding it for, for a woman? How, what was involved in that process? 
So um, the biggest thing when I decided to sort of repackage the experience for women was education and problem solving. Um, So for me, I always consider problem solving to be the core of um, this company's growth and 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 its existence actually because uh i think that was the really the the smartest and the the best approach um for us because at the end of the day what i was really experiencing myself and what all of my friends were experiencing and most women that i talked to was the fact that shaving was inefficient and it was really uncomfortable um and so when i thought about the company and thought about you know pulling the the entire product line together in such a way that it would appeal to women, uh, the first thing that I really wanted to hit on was that the razor was um, better for your skin, the shave was better for your skin, Um, the products that we compiled around that were actually suited to women's skin and suited to, you know, their sensitivities around shaving. And so, you know, I thought about like, I had had experience in the beauty industry. I'd been in the beauty industry for about um, four years at that point and working for like one of the largest prestige beauty companies. And so when we sort of pulled everything together, you know, concept, packaging, and finally got to the consumer at the end, um, it really had to be about how we would solve um the problems women were having and how we would address women's needs. And so I knew that in our packaging, in our oils, in our, uh, even our copywriting, you know, I I had to address um, the issues that women really truly wanted to solve. And that for us will always come back to the irritation that's usually caused by shaving. Um, and then, yes, and the, the other part of it would be education, which was just we had to figure out how to teach women how to actually shave with this thing. Mm-hmm. So the, the problem solving aspect of it, how I, I guess this is this is a little bit different maybe for you because you had this problem that you were trying to solve. Uh, but when you think through it and if someone out there is trying to solve a problem that maybe they don't have, but they're trying to serve their customer base, how do you identify what are the most important problems that your customer has that will you know, help you market your your product? Yeah. So in, in our case, you know, I, I guess I... Uh, You might not consider it lucky, but I definitely, I guess I was lucky to say that I experienced it and I knew that it was enough of a problem because, you know, I, I had the connections and the friends and so on that I could say everyone that I spoke to had this same, um, issue. But if we didn't, if I didn't have that, um, I think I would have just started from actually getting a sense of who I thought my customers were going to be and starting to talk to them and, you know, even though uh, I was coming from a position where I could say, oh, gosh, you know, I really hate shaving as it is. And, I, and this, these are the issues that I want to address and, and solve. Um, I never took it for granted that just because I had them and a few people that I knew had those same problems. I didn't take it for granted that um, everyone that I came across would have those problems and every potential customer that I reach would have those problems. And I still don't necessarily. Um, so for me, once I kind of, I kind of started scaling from a very, 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 you know, small position. So it was like, Hey, I have this problem. And then my friends have this problem. 
and their friends have this problem. And then I started going out after that. So I would like, you know, I kind of started looking into like the eco beauty and the green beauty community and finding bloggers and so on. And, um, I, sort of reached out and I kind of started getting to know people even before I even really like launched or kind of got anywhere. I started getting to know people, um, some of the bloggers and then there was an event and I was just like, well, I'm just going to show up at this event. And I think that was actually, um, the first time that I was able to kind of validate the idea a little bit more because it wasn't just, I was coming out with something that was just really cool or, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't just like the the sort of next iteration of something that was already out there. Um, I was actually able to meet people and say, hey, I just launched this line. I have this problem. I'm trying to talk to a few more people and see if they have it as well. Um, and the validation was incredible. I mean, like I went home to find people had ordered while I was talking to them. Um, so it's just really, really powerful, you know, to kind of figure out how to validate that product from as small a position as I could and then see if I could scale it from there. Yeah, and while you're going through this validation of the the problems that you wanted to solve, did you encounter any problems that maybe you thought were bigger, maybe because they were bigger for you, but then as you were talking more to your your ideal customer, you found out that maybe your problem wasn't as pervasive, uh, I guess pervasive in the marketplace? Um, I didn't actually, um, I was pretty surprised to find that even if, so the thing is with women is that we have so many different ways to remove hair, you know? So even if she didn't, she didn't necessarily shave, um, maybe she had come to waxing or something. Every woman was kind of able to say, ah, I may not do it anymore, but when I did, it was absolutely awful. Um, I have never to this day <laughs> met a woman who's just like, eh, no, I don't have any problem shaving. It's actually a really great experience. Um, so yeah, we were kind of able <laughs> to, that sort of kept the fuel going. Like even if you weren't going to use the, the product because you had, you know, you had made a different choice for your skin, you certainly knew our pain points and you at least knew other people who would, um, use the products because, you know, they shave and it, no matter what, it still sucks for women. Um, I think the, the biggest things that we had found that we were not prepared for was, um, the education that had to go into it. So I, I just kind of, I'll never forget, like my very first iteration of the site was like some, you know, some photos that I, taken with like my iPhone or whatever <laughs> with like some flowers in the background. And I was just like, Hey, yeah, that's it. I'm just going to put this up there. And you know, I, people are going to flock to this site. Not really, but still. <laughs> and, um, it was like, no, no, you actually have to convince women, um, that this is not just a regular old thing. And also you have to teach them how to use it. And so, um, I would say like, that's, that was like the, the biggest sort of pain point in the very first lesson, not just because I was able to sort of pick it up and use it immediately. You know, like I mentioned before, I'd seen my uncles use it and so on. So I had a sense of how this, this product was used, but many of our customers had never seen anything like it before. And so for them, they were just like, I have no idea, you know, what it is you're talking about or how I'm supposed to use this. So education definitely mm -hmm. was, um, one thing that I was not aware of. 
Yeah, it's almost like there's two stages uh, of education. Right, the first stage for you was just to convince women specifically that this is a product that they should at least learn more about, or at least learn about the the problems that can be solved by this product. And then once they're convinced of of giving you essentially their time and their attention, then you have to teach them actually how to use it. As your as the the customer goes through these kind of stages, is your marketing your education how's how's it different as you help your customer progress down this path? Yeah. So, um, you know, I really put a lot of thought into um, our funnel, you know, in a sense, which is pretty much the, the progression down the path. And what I try to do is start out with educating um, women. And, you know, that's just for us, that has a lot to do with content. Um, so we really put a lot of time and energy and, and effort into our content. And it's not just around shaving. It's also around, you know, our, our customer is interested in, um, generally taking care of herself. She's into exercise. She's into beauty rituals and, um, she's into learning about ingredients and recipes and all of that. So, um, we put quite a bit of work into, getting a sense of who she is. We have some really, really wonderful customers who are quick to, to tell us what they need, you know, um, what they like, what they don't like. And we've been communicating with them uh, steadily in order to really build a long lasting, thriving relationship, not just sort of like, yeah, you bought this and now it's, you know, it's done. Like we figured out how to serve our customers and, um, one of those is consistently keeping her informed and updated um, beyond shaving, but just also like what are, you know, what are the aspects of her life that she wants to do better at? What are the things that she loves? You know, how can we kind of keep talking to her and informing her as we go along? And we take that um, that position from whether they're our customer and they've been our customer for two years or whether there's someone um, who literally, you know, like maybe just kind of heard about us and maybe is sort of still thinking about it and, um, you know, considering whether they want to spend the money on the brand. Mm-hmm. So the the kind of, so you're, you're basically looking for these vocal customers of yours that are talking about other problems that they have, not just related to the problems that, them buying your specific product solves and then you can add value back to them by not necessarily creating a new physical product or creating an enhancement on the existing product but through content through education helping them improve their lives or or solve other problems that maybe your products itself cannot actually solve but through the content through the brand that you have built that's how you solve the problem is that the approach that you're taking yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we're really so one of the things is that like, you know, you'll see that when you go onto the site, for example, um, you know, the names from the uh the razors are like actually from the sex in the city characters and <laughs> I've had some people say like, Wow, you're really into sex in the city and I am. It was a great show. But <laughs> beyond that, what Sex in the City actually was 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 like a, a a collective of like these girlfriends and they were there for each other and you know it was like they helped solve each other help help solve each other's uh, problems and so on and 
you know, it was just like, they were funny, they were, you know, attentive. Um, they had like the best information on like what, what was new and what was hot and what was in and so on. And the reason the the razors are named after those characters is that when women come to the site, we want them to feel like they're at home. We want them to feel like they are hanging out with a girlfriend in her bedroom, in her closet, or, you know, like whatever, and just kind of having a good time. And this is a resource for you to, um, to know that this is a place that it's not only about shaving, but it's also how we can help to nurture you and take care of you as a customer. And I just try to weave that into everything that we do. Our marketing is not about let's hit you over the head and figure out how to get you to buy a razor. Our marketing is about what are your needs? How can we help you? How can we inform you? Mm. Um, I like to say in our email, we talk about bikini lines all day long, but (laughs) (laughs) that's because women feel comfortable um, coming to us and saying, Hey, you know, I I have experienced this and I want to know like, will your razors help and how can they help? And, And so on. And I think it's really special that, our customers can have these really intimate conversations with us. And that's in part because we've built this really trusting, um, extended relationship with them. That's not just about them parting with their money. Right. So clearly this is, you know, paying off for you, but when you think sit down and, and take this approach of creating content, it's a pretty, you know, long term, like long game, right? It requires a lot of work, uh, probably more work than just running ads to get them to convert immediately. Like you're, like you're saying, uh, how do you balance it all? How do you know what part of you or how much of your time should be spent on creating content that maybe has a longer you know, time to conversion versus just running more and more ads at the customer to try to get them to to buy? Well, we ran some experiments um, in the beginning where we just, you know, similar, like we kind of came out the gate, like, like every, you know, e-commerce store does. We're just like, all right, put all this money into this. And, you know, we put up this great website. So it's time for us to get some sales. And so we, we ran some experiments, um, just sort of pushing ads out there. And it was a waste of money. Um, you know, it just, it, it takes time and it takes a little bit of massaging for the customer to get a sense of who you are, you know? And so I educated myself as much as I, I could, you know, I, I, I think I, the stats that I had heard was like, it takes seven plus times before they actually build trust in you enough to part with their hard earned money. And so I just kind of thought, well, if it takes that much time anyway, like why not just instead of using that our our money, um, our marketing dollars towards just throwing out ads, like that's a waste of time. Why don't we actually just get to know the customer, get to, you know, let's run some experiments and see if we're in the right ballpark of who we think they are and what they're interested in. Mm-hmm. Um so it was truly running experiments that actually helped us to get an understanding of where we should be um, spending our money. Can you say more about these experiments? Let's say someone out there has the, the some marketing budget that they've been throwing into Facebook ads and is just not getting them the returns they want. And they want to take the same approach as you to learn to run these experiments, learn more about their customers, and ultimately uh, use those learnings to create content and do more content marketing. What, what's involved in, how do you allocate those dollars? Like what do you spend the, the money and time on to, to learn more about your customers? 
Um, so we started out with um, just running a couple of ads. So we built like a couple of um, customer personas and we were super new at this point. And I kind of, I kind of said, well, this is who I think the customer is. And this is, you know, who I think um, would be interested. And this is what I think that they do. And this was like at our, you know, at the very beginning. And so we really didn't have that much to pull from at that time. So we made up our customer personas. Um, and we um, went out there. And so we took a few of those personas and we built um, audiences for them in Facebook. And, um, you know, we launched to those audiences very little bit, like not not a lot of um, not a lot of money sort of thrown at it or anything, but we just needed to do enough to, to kind of validate, see if, if, see if we could validate this persona that we had. Um, and it really didn't go anywhere. And so I pulled back from that and I kind of started looking just a little bit deeper at, um, beauty in and of itself and like basically how the industry has transformed and so on. And, you know, spent a lot of time on Instagram and what I saw was that the most successful, um, not necessarily even brands. I didn't really look at too many of the the actual brands. I looked at the bloggers and the, you know, women who were like really into beauty and sort of Instagramming their beauty routine and their, their, they call them empties, you know, the products that they've actually gone through <laughs> and, you know, for like the month or so on. Um, and they were sharing these and they were giving feedback on what they thought about the products and um, what their routines were like. And these were some of the most engaging conversations that I had ever seen. Um, I mean, they had like hundreds of comments and women, you know, followers were like, well, what should I do about this? It was almost like, like you were at the dermatologist's office. Like everyone was asking all sorts of questions about skincare and these women, um, you know, bloggers and Instagrammers and so on, they were just corresponding and having really thoughtful dialogue with their followers. And it just kind of hit me and it was just like, well, we should be doing that as well. You know, we should be positioned as a thought leader in this space, but also a trusted source. So I went back and pulled the ads that were sort of just, you know, sort of um, pushing out you know, buy this, buy that. I pulled those and I just started creating the content instead um, around it. And that's when we really started seeing um, really great results. And we were still relatively new. So Felix, I totally, I did like the whole dollar a day thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was just like, you know, we didn't, I, I'm, you know, currently bootstrapped and we didn't have, um, you know, a lot of money to, to, to throw at it. And um, yeah, I totally just put as little as I could just to kind of see um, if we could validate this idea. And we really started seeing such a fantastic response to that, that that's been our, our plan since. Got it. So just to break this down a bit, you first took that approach that I think a lot of entrepreneurs start with, which is just to run ads. And then you saw no sales, I guess. Is that what made you reconsider your approach? Is that what happened with the, the initial test? Yeah, but even so, we didn't really see um, much interest, like clicks and comments or, mm -hmm. yeah. Got it. So you, you saw that, but when you see that, you didn't get the turd and, said, and say to yourself, maybe there is no market for this product? No, no. I've always really believed in 
the product, um, number one, because I use it every day and I absolutely love it. Um, and as I mentioned, I had actually started going out and talking to women and meeting them face to face. And even if I just pulled up the website and showed them that here was a product that was actually made for you. I mean, they would just, you would think I had just given them like an entire chocolate cake or something. And I, <laughs> I say that because I'm a lover of chocolate cake. But, so I um, got it. So yeah. you, you knew that there was a market for it. You just didn't know how to reach them yet. And then you realized that there was so much engagement and so much conversation just from people asking questions, curious, asking about, about skincare. And you knew that there were a lot of demand for that kind of uh, content. There's a need for, for, for answers to those questions. So you went out and created this content. Was it in the form of blogs? Like what, what kind of content were you creating? Uh, we created um, blog posts for sure. And so we would just sort of boost those blog posts, you know, within um, Facebook. And uh, and then as we got a little bit deeper into it and, and got much of a better understanding, we started doing separate landing pages. But simple enough, it just started with blog posts. Mm, okay, I want to definitely talk about this then. So did you have success right away with, let's say, the very first blog you created, you boosted that, and did you have success right away? Like, What, what was success to you? I guess, what were you trying to measure at that point? Um, so for us, success was people moving over to the, uh, moving from Facebook over to the blog posts and actually reading it. Um, so yeah, those were... That, that was our first sort of conversion that we were looking for. Mm -hmm. And then as we got a little bit more sophisticated um, and, and had a little bit more of a budget to, to use, um, we started creating a funnel um, from that. So from the people who went over and read the blog post, then we would kind of, uh, we would maneuver them into our funnel. And I've actually always been a big fan of, um, I'm going to mess up his last name. Is it Gary Vanderchuk? Uh, Vaynerchuk. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so I read his post, um, jab, 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 right hook or something along those lines. I probably just messed it I think, up. I think that's right. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, I read the book and I was just like, huh, this is exactly what I've been thinking. So, um, you know, we, anyone who, you know, sort of doesn't purchase from that, that blog post, we kind of keep moving them into the funnel of more and more content until we actually get a sale from it. And we use shoelace for that, which is absolutely, they are absolutely fantastic at retargeting, but yes, we have seen incredible conversions, um, from that. And it, I, I think it also goes back to us learning so much more about our customer and learning how to target um, a little bit better in Facebook too. Mm, okay. So what, nowadays you've expanded the, well, like I said, I don't even know how you started, but it looks like the scope of the content you're creating is, has expanded beyond just, you know, skincare or just uh, using your razor. Did you start off with more specific content at first that was highly related to your your product? Yes, yeah, I definitely did. Um, you know, I wanted to establish We Shave as a thought leader in the women's shaving market. Um, so it was really important to just continually focusing on, uh, continually focus on, um, the product and sort of the things related 
around it. And, you know, our customers, we were, we were also gaining more customers at this time as well. And so we also utilized um, the feedback that they gave us. And those were some of the things that they wanted as well. So it was just like, tell me how I can shave this area better. How I, you know, how can I um, do, you know, just basically things related, <laughs> related to, to shaving. Um, so we knew that that was an area where we could kind of sort of dig our heels in for a bit without exhausting, um, without exhausting it for a while. Mm, okay. So now that you've gotten them over to your, to your page, um, and then if they didn't buy right away, you would retarget them with other content. So how much content are you, are we talking about at first? If someone wants to take the same approach as you, how much like, legwork should they do uh, in the beginning to, to, to start building out a funnel uh, like yours at the beginning? You know, um, it really only takes, I'd say maybe about like four to five blog posts to, to play with. Um, and you know, that gives, that gives your audience sort of enough to see as you move them through the funnel without them getting too bored. Mm -hmm. Now you said that nowadays you have moved on from just the blog posts into creating separate landing pages. Can you say more about that? Yeah, yeah. So um, now what we'll do is um, we use uh, Shogun in the, the Shopify store um, to create these really fantastic landing pages. Um, and so we've since we've gotten a little bit more sophisticated now with our targeting and we actually have enough customers to get a really good sense of like customer personas and who they are and what they're interested in. Um, we just create these landing pages uh, using Shogun and move our audience through to, to those. And then um, depending on what they do, once they get to that landing page, um, you know, we kind of continue moving them through the funnel or obviously directly into a sale. Um, but that helps us track a little bit better. Um, you know, like how our, how our different blog posts are performing. Um, and it also helps us to tailor a little bit. So there may be something where, you know, we've kind of said, okay, well, we have an audience, um, we have a potential audience, we want to build out this audience in Facebook. Um, I don't necessarily know if this is something that needs to be on our blog. Um, you know, let's say we think that this woman is interested in organic foods or something like that. So we'll build a page for that. Um, specifically, you know, using Shogun in order to, to test. And then um, we'll drive that customer there instead of sort of creating a blog that feels like it's kind of all over the place. Um, that allows us a little bit of like a separate platform outside of the blog in order to test our, our content. Yeah, that, that's a good point there about how you kind of have to curate what shows up on, on the blog because these separate landing pages that you're creating, there's no way to get to them, right, from your, your site. You have to almost come to it from, from an ad. Yeah, yeah, you'll have to come to it from an ad. So, you know, we, we make sure to, um, it's a very slim funnel. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it, it keeps the 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 funnel focused though. And what what else does it do for you? You said you mentioned there's data elements that are I've never used Shogun before, and I've actually never heard of them. But it looks very interesting now that that I've looked at it and that you've spoken about it. Uh, but you're creating these these landing pages. It gives you more data than you would normally on the blog, or what 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 kind of specific benefits uh, lead you to choose to create a landing page versus just uh, posting a blog? Um, you know, it actually, so I, our, our data, our, um, marketing manager and data analyst actually suggested it and she really actually, she likes it because, um, tracking it, um, you know, using like the Facebook pixel actually helps her to see like very specifically, like if this only came, like there's basically, there's no other sort of information or anything else kind of going around that she has to dig a little deeper and figure out. Um, you know, where the traffic came from or anything. So if we know like very specifically, like this is the landing page that we created and we're using it for this particular audience, um, you know, we're really able to segment the information and get a sense on how it's performing. And for every landing page that we um, create, we'll also create a bit.ly link. And, you know, when you're in there and it's like all about collecting data, you know, we just basically want to sort of brush aside any potential dust or anything else that could that could get in the way of us um, seeing what we need to. So that's that's why we create these separate funnels. God, it makes it a lot easier for you to get actionable data from these landing pages. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when you are setting up a, when you create a landing page and you start to run ads to it, is there a budget that you have in mind? Like what's, what's a budget that uh, maybe a beginner or someone that's looking to get into this for the first time, what should they, how much should they be spending to, to boost uh, a post uh, to drive traffic to a landing page? So, you know, for us, it really, um, like I mentioned, you know, we were started out super small. We've been bootstrapped the entire time. And, uh, literally, you know, we said, what's the least expensive that we can, what's the least expensive, expensive option. So if we just, when we were just running ads, I think the minimum for like a Facebook ad is like $5 a day or something like that. Um, so we said, okay, what's, what's even less expensive than that? Because we're truly experimenting here. You know, we were like sort of feeling our way in the dark a little bit. Um, and so, you know, my data analyst suggested that we do the boosted post and those you could start as low as a dollar a day. And, you know, I'm in like a few Shopify um, and, and sort of e-commerce groups and so on. And I think one thing is that like I'll see people kind of say, oh, man, I just, you know, I spent $20 a day on this um, Facebook ad for two weeks and I didn't see any sort of conversions and no sales. And, um, it's just so frustrating. I'm going to give up. And for us, the way we, we saw it was like, if a dollar a day can get us at least a little bit of exposure, that's still some sort of data to work with. Um, and then from there, you know, we can figure out if we're doing the right thing. And if we see any sort of returns, um, from that and then we can scale. So I'm not necessarily saying that, you know, anyone who's beginning needs to do a dollar a day, but I think, you know, what I am trying to say is that it's okay to start small and set realistic goals for what your conversions are and understand that there are different conversions. Like 
do you want to see people engaging with the ad? Do you want to see likes and comments? Um, do you want to see click-throughs to the website or the blog post or the landing page? I think the, the one of the mistakes that we make when we're starting is that we kind of get out there and say, and, and I did this as well, we get out there and say, no, my only conversions are sales. No, set different conversions for yourself. Get an understanding of like, the different types of conversions and how you can develop from there a potentially warm audience to kind of go back to now target and increase your budget. And then you'll get closer to your actual sales. Yeah. I, I think what you're also saying that's important is that when you do run a campaign and it's not successful in the term, in terms of like uh, conversions or sales, a lot of times people will just scrap the entire thing and say, okay, that was useless. Let me move on to the next thing. But you're saying that there's a lot to, to glean from that still. There's still data to, to be used. There's still a at least warmer audience than before that you could retarget uh, against because they've seen the content or the ad from you before. So don't just toss it all out, but to work from it. Uh, now, when you talk about the data piece, what are you paying attention to, to specifically, especially when you're just starting out and you're just experimenting and driving traffic to a landing page that has content on it? What are you looking at to determine what to do next? Um, for us, we kind of we look to see if from there, um, anyone who has come to this, like that they come to that page and kind of bounce off, that they come to that page and bounce off really quickly, that they stay a while, you know, what's their average sort of time um, on that piece of, of content or the landing page that we've driven them to. And then from there, what have they done after that? Have they actually looked around? the site, you know, that they spend a little time, that they read the About Us page, um, that they actually put anything in their cart. So that's where we, we um, start looking to, and that's how we use the, the data to develop if we have a potential, um, a potentially warm lead um, from there that we could sort of nudge into um, another aspect of the funnel or if we just have like, you know, that, that just wasn't the right audience and it's just like a very cold lead. And do you use that, that information to, to determine what kind of content you create as well? Um, yeah, yeah. Because the more, um, you know, sort of the more clicks and the more engagement and the more time on that particular page, you know, have they gotten halfway through? Have they read the entire page? That kind of thing. Um, it helps us to say, okay, well, we, we determine two things from that. One, did we figure this audience out correctly? Um, are we in the, you know, the sort of right area, um, for them? And then also, um, you know, are we going to up our ad spend on that audience based on their interactions with the content or, or with the site? So when you do drive traffic to the page and you find that it's maybe a flop, there's many people, not, not many people interacting with it, maybe not a lot of people clicking on it, maybe mm -hmm. people bouncing quickly off of it. Do you, is your gut reaction that it's an issue with the content or is it an issue with the, the audience targeting? Which one do you go uh, pay attention to first? Well, the quickest thing to change, because content really does, it is um, a little bit intensive to create good content. Um, so the quickest thing to change is the audience. So the first thing that we'll, we'll do after that is, um, is come back and sort of say, okay, well, 
where may we have gone wrong in this audience? Is it the age or the interest or so on that we, we need to shift? And then so we'll play around within the audience um, itself. But I never let content die uh, on the site because we do have this really fantastic, engaged community. So for us, um, you know, if it's just a, uh, if it's a well-written piece and we just really didn't find the, the right audience, we'll actually move that piece maybe into MailChimp, um, you know, which we use for our email marketing, um, or we'll move it onto the, the Facebook page and boost it to our regular audience as well. Mm-hmm. What's, what's your process for creating the, this content? Are you still doing this yourself? Do you have a team working on it now? What, what's the process? I am so excited because I just hired our first content creator. <laughs> um, and so before it was literally me, um, you know, I, and, and as the, the expert of, of, um, the brand, you know, I think it was important for me to, um, not only create the sort of thought leader, um, position for, for we shave in the women's shaving space. Um, but it was also important for me to get a sense of our customers, um, how they speak as well so that we could learn to speak back to them in the same language and get a sense of what it is, um, you know, what kind of information was, would really drive them, um, and so on. So I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, a few months ago we had like, uh, and it, I don't, it wasn't like a big snowstorm, but you know, like New York is always like, oh, it's going to snow. It's going to be 50 inches. And, yeah. and it's just like, oh my God. And so everything shut down and I was, um, sitting at, at home and I was just like, hmm. So, you know, today would be a good day to write, um, like a nice, a good email because a good amount of our customers are in New York. And I said, if they're like me, they're probably inside all sour because everything's shut down and, you know, we can't go outside. So I sent out an email that listed, um, gosh, I think it was, oh, it was um, five uh, face masks that you could make from your kitchen right now with ingredients that I know you have in your kitchen. And the open rate on that was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I think we had like 70% um, open rate on that email that was just well-timed, hit our audience um, with something that they care about and, um, you know, just really touch them in, in all the right places. Um, well, that actually sounds a little bit weird. Now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's, that's an idea of, um, how we really try to get to, to be unique, um, with, with our content. Awesome. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense that you try to, to find the right time too, to, to hit them with the content. I think that's, that's just as important as getting the, the right content, uh, to, to them. Um, now that you've hired someone to join the team, to create the content, well, how did you, first of all, where did you find someone to, to hire for this role in, well, we'll start there and then I have some other follow-ups. Yeah. So, uh, it, it was actually someone that I have, um, been aware of her writing for some time. Um, you know, I, I admired her writing and I've seen her writing for, um, a few beauty blogs and a few beauty companies and so on. So automatically, you know, the hardest thing when you're working to, when you're trying to hire someone and bring someone onto the team is that level of trust. So I was just like, mm-hmm. okay, it's sort of that, that like social proof a little bit there for, 
for even me as a as a as a brand and a, a CEO, I just kind of was like, huh, well, other people work with her. So that's great. Um, and she had written about the brand before. Um, so I knew well, she had written about WeShape before. So I was aware of um, how she sort of saw the brand and her perspective and, and so on. And she also has these connections in the, the beauty industry. So um, that was really that was really our first, um, our first step. And, uh, we actually plan on building out our content team quite a bit since it's been, um, it's been such a driver for our business in the last, uh, two years. So we'll be adding some more from there. I'm not sure how, how much involved she is at this point, but what are your plans for essentially giving the guidance and direction to someone that you've hired to create content? Um, so, you know, as you kind of hinted at before, we're definitely in the long game, um, here with, we, uh, with WeShave and, and with building the, the brand out. So, um, a good amount of our content pieces are probably just to begin with, are probably going to revolve around, um, SEO and continuing to build we shave as a thought leader in the women's shaving space um so our first plans for her within like the first month or so are going to be around that and then one thing that i'm actually really excited about is that her role will also include video content um which isn't something that we've done too much before so uh we're launching a new collection in june and um you know coming from this beauty perspective, we just have so much that we could hit on to create content that I'm super excited. I mean, um, you know, women, our audience cares so much about ingredients. They care so much about rituals and process and, you know, um, like the scent and efficacy and all of that. So, um, there's quite a bit that we're going to be able to do. So that's what it'll look like in the next couple months. Very cool. Thank you so much for your time, Karen. So We Shave is the company that's O-U-I-S-H-A-V-E.com. Where do you want to see the brand go next? Where do you want to see it be, I guess, this time next year? Um, oh, well, I'm pretty excited. As I mentioned, you know, we're building, um, we're launching some new products um, come June. Um, I think one thing that I'm really, really, really super excited about is that um, we will also be introducing some new razors and some new um, colors. But um, more than anything, we have been building this brand hand in hand with our customers, which is really, really interesting and a fantastic journey, um, especially for a startup. So, um, you know, what I'd like to see is that we become the number one platform for women shaving in the next couple of years. Um, and that will include content, education and commerce. Awesome. Very exciting times for you then. Thank you so much again for your time, Karen. Thanks, Felix. It was really awesome to be on the show. Here's a sneak peek for what's in store in the next Shopify Masters episode. You, you just need to focus on one thing. If you, can narr- if you can eliminate all of the other distractions that you have, so much can get done. Thanks for listening to Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. To start your store today, visit shopify.com masters to claim your extended 30-day free trial. Also, for this episode's show notes, head over to shopify.com slash blog.